Okay. Uh, again, the study is, do you believe? Question mark. 12 Historic Doctrines to Change Your Everyday Life by Paul Tripp. Um, today we are in God's holiness, and because last week we took on the actual theology, the doctrine of holiness. What did you say? Oh, that is my special one. How did I? I was going to say, I don't need that one. Uh, interesting. She got the teacher's copy. She got all the answers. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you for saying so, because I would have been going, where did I put that stuff? All my extra little scratch marks. So last week we studied the doctrine, so this week we, we apply it in our lives. And I will tell you that there are, I believe there are nine of these applications that he has listed out. And in reading them, I went through them and thought, oh dear, I can't get nine. I'll take it in half. I'll do four in one week and five in the other. And I'm like, yeah, oh dear, I can't do even that. You know, we are missing too much gold here. So we only have two. So we're going to be uh, on holiness for a while, which is appropriate because as we learned last week in holiness... Holiness really is an overarching understanding of who God is. Um, he is holy and set apart um, in all the other attributes that we think of God. Think about the ones that maybe don't come to mind as readily. In his anger, he has holy anger. His is so other than what our anger looks like as human beings. It has no sin. It has no... Uh, stain in it it is perfect it is what we know as his attribute of wrath um, he is a to be a wrathful god is actually to be a loving god because that means all justice is meted out perfectly and you go okay all judgment all justice uh, i should say judgment is meted out in order to adhere to an understanding of a uh, holy uh, righteousness so we we have this understanding of, of holiness that is sometimes difficult for us to get our arms around. So we're going to slow down, and we're going to, and we're going to spend our, some more time on holiness. We'll take on two this week, and I'll see if we can get... Uh, maybe we can go up to three next week. Maybe not. We may just be taking two next week. So with that, remember that holiness, again, is the overarching attribute that encompasses all the other attributes. Um, the, it has its main understanding that might be helpful is its otherness. You might have, this might be a, a word that some of you are familiar with, a theological word. Um, I spent some time with Kelly and Cindy and Tammy at, at the Eastside Women's Bible Study yesterday, affirming that, uh, by the way, Kelly is now affirmed, vetted as a, a teacher here in uh, uh, Redeemer Reformed Baptist Church, so that's kind of neat. But I got a chance to listen to, to Kelly teach, and we were, it's interesting, they were in the holiness of God, and, and R.C. Sproul was really hitting on the transcendence, that's the the uh, theological term for otherness. It helps me just to say otherness. I'm a little simple in my thinking. It means that God is so distinct. Transcendence is, is focusing on his difference. He's ultimately so completely different uh, than us so that um, we understand uh, his otherness in that sense. But included in holiness, and this is where sometimes we get off track and we think that this is what holiness is first and foremost talking about, is purity. Purity, his moral purity, is encompassed in our understanding of holiness. But you can have holy, holy anger. You can have uh, uh, all the other attributes with the word holy in them, and they are so other. They're certainly moral, but they're so other. So we, we hence the reason why we're slowing down. I may not be articulating in the way it, to the degree that I need to. So let's let Paul Tripp help us. 
let's read and then I've got questions if you'll notice let's look it over real quick I want to show you again like I've been doing in green are the questions where I, or where I'm going to ask you to, uh, to to as a group for us to go over there's one on page uh, one there's two on page two and there's two on well there's, there's a one more on page three it could be two more if whenever you see something underlined that means this is a nugget of gold we're going to probably talk about it we may not but I want you to if you got nothing else out of that paragraph hone in on the underlined part of it sometimes in a in a Sunday morning our our thoughts can start to go in different directions as we start to think about our week if you need to if you started today dream for a second go to the underline oop that's what I was supposed to get out of that paragraph okay so uh, Mark why don't you uh, open us up with the, the reading and then you figure out how you're gonna send this uh, mic across uh, our group here what does it mean to say what does it mean to live every day in the situations and locations of your life in a constant recognition of the holiness of God? What does it look like to let this doctrine form the important places in, in your life, such as friendships, career, marriage, parenting, sexuality, finances, civil life, education, leisure, entertainment, and church life? What does it mean to let this truth capture your heart and in so doing, shape your deepest longings, your most influential motivations, the way you make decisions, the things you say, and the actions you take? What does it look like to carry this truth out of the halls of formal theology and into the private places where the drama of your life unfolds? What follows is a beginning list. My prayer is that it would ignite in you a desire to practically understand what it would mean to carry this awesome truth to every domain of your life. Okay, what he is saying there is if we only studied the doctrine and not how it applies to us in life, I like this term because it gives me a visual, we're nothing more than Bible bobbleheads. We, we sit there and we bobble around and we, we speak forth everything we know about God and it has no transform, transforming characteristic or, or nature in our life. We have to take the doctrine and put it into our lives or we will not be transformed. That's what we're trying to do this week. So go ahead. The holiness of God is to be at the center of how you make sense of life. Whether you are a homemaker, executive, pastor, plumber, farmer, designer, or professor, you are a theologian. You are constantly having conversations with yourself about what is true and what is false. You carry around theological assumptions and conclusions that, whether you are aware of them or not, become the basis of decisions you make and actions you take. All the time, everyone everywhere lives theologically. I'm not talking here about your more formal religious life. I'm talking about the reality that the way you live your life is formed by what you have concluded is true. The holiness of God must be at the center of what you have concluded to be true or you will not understand the universe properly, you won't understand your own life, and you won't live the way you were designed to live. What captured the prophet Isaiah must um, capture you as well. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full, full of his glory. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. 
This amazing scene with its incalculable glory must be at the epicenter of how you understand everything. Without this, it is impossible to understand anything in your life correctly. Every good thing ever created has existed, has existed because on the throne of the universe sits one who is holy in every way all the time. Your sense of identity, meaning, and purpose, your goals for your life, what you long for your loved ones, how you use your energy, time, and money, your sense of right and wrong, your means of making decisions, how you use your gifts and abilities, and where you look for peace and rest must be connected to this declaration. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The, ho- <clears throat> the holiness of God should frighten you, while at the same time it should give you rest. It should blow, both blow your mind and form the basis of how you make sense of everything. It should expose the darkest parts of you while leading into the light and hope of life. It should stop you in your tracks and with awe and wonder and provide tracks for your life to run on. It should comfort you with the distance between what you are and what God is while making you want to draw near him. While God's holiness exposes your moral weakness, it should also make you run toward his grace. The holiness of God should expose all the pseudo-glory that uh, fight for your heart while revealing to you the only glory that God, glory that, (coughs) that is truly glorious enough to hook your life to. God's holiness is your light in darkness, your GPS when you feel lost, your comfort in the face of the evils of this fallen world, the constant reminder of who you are and what you need, and the place you run when everywhere else has proven inadequate. (coughs) It is impossible to overstate the significance of the fact that God is holy, holy, holy. He is so holy that the entire earth is filled to the brim with the incomparable glory of his holiness. Okay, Uh, you'll notice at the bottom part of that uh, paragraph, I jumped in and put the references to the, I put the numbering in there so that we could think through this and and it didn't just end up uh, all one big Gosh, I don't know what to do with it. It's overwhelming. There's too many, too many parts to this. So we can break this down into parts. And the question that I pose uh, uh, to us is, which of the five realities of holiness is what you need to be reminded of most as you face your day and why? Let me read that again. Which of the five realities of holiness is what you need to be reminded of most as you face your day and why? And this will differ with different people. It'll differ with what's going on in your life and this season of your life. So we've got Gary in the back. Well, the question I have is what time of the day are you talking about? I, I, mean, I, I go through the all five of these at some part in the whole day. And I'm just constantly just seeking his holiness for just 
just about all all five of these and that's a constant thing and thank god i could do that still that's good thank you somebody else one of, uh, we've got sean up front here This is probably implicit in um, Tripp's writing, but I wanted to just bring it out. You know, number five is here, the place that you run when everywhere else has proven inadequate. Um, I mean, I, I think of that a lot. And so, you know, it drives me to the conclusion that um, we don't want to think about it quite that way. We want to think about it. Uh, and again, I think this is implicit in Tripp's writing. We want to think of... God's holiness and God himself is the place we run first every day hmm. so that we don't go through this process, right, of, of going through everything else possible um, from a fleshly mindset and saying, well, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, so now, uh, well, my last resort, I'll go to the Lord, hmm. right? We want to reverse that process, right? Uh, and when we do that, I think that's, that's when we're living, uh, to quote somebody who probably wouldn't otherwise quote you're living your best life now <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, glenda uh, and also wayne yeah we're not living our best life now <laughs> no 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 I, I totally in agreement with you brother <laughs> um i am looking at number four the constant reminder of who you are i am a creature when i think of the holiness of god and so I, being a creature, then what I need, I need is Christ. And so that's very humbling, but it also just is a pretty fair assessment of me. So, hmm, That's good. You know, on that note, uh, she, she picked number four, the con- constant reminder of who you are and what you need. Um, as a young police officer, every day I was reminded of who I, I was because I put on the uniform. And in putting on the uniform, I needed a mirror to see that I was putting it on correctly and it looked sharp and whatnot. It was a reminder that I was the one that was supposed to protect and serve. There's nobody else. When the call comes, you go, and you don't go the other direction. It's interesting, and, and, that, and I was talking to PJ, he and I both share a, a commonality with the understanding of, uh, of putting on the full armor of God. That, that process of intentionally walking through, as you, as you do that, it's almost like you're creating that metaphorical mirror in front of you, reminding you who you are so that you go out in the day, so I don't go out in the day. I've noticed when I sin, I go out as a passive victim-minded person rather than an armed soldier ready for battle. And so what he's saying here is, are you going out realizing the holiness of God identifies who you are because you are now made holy in one sense and are being made holy in a second sense? And so that one was the one for me that I needed... The, the, his reminder, the, the holiness to remind me of who I am and what I need. What I need is him. Not, not to forget him, to remember him as I go out into this world with, armed as a, as a soldier ready to, to, do, to engage, not to be engaged upon, not to be a victim and left sitting there going, well, how did this happen? Woe is me. Go ahead. I guess great mind thinks, uh, think alike. Uh, I also selected number four. And I, I did it because of uh, the perspective I get from Romans. Romans 3.21, it says, but now. And those are the, probably the most beautiful words in Scripture there are for me because 
Romans 1 to Romans 3.21 utterly decimates the human race. It starts out, there is none righteous, no, not one, and then it goes downhill from there. Mm. And then he goes, but now a righteousness from God has appeared to which the law and the prophets testify. Mm. That is really refreshing because there's hope now. Now we can walk in holiness, whereas we, we had no hope before. Mm. That's a great point. Let's get Megan in there, and then we'll, we'll read on after Megan. Megan had her hand up. I was looking at number three, your comfort in the face in the face of the evils of this fallen world, I think of this as a mom. Because, mm. like, I don't give in to peer pressure, like, things, you know, that are accepted today. I'm like, well, God doesn't accept it. I don't accept it. But I have small children who are, you know, oh, it's cool, or my friend does it. And I have to remind myself that God given me the tool. I have scripture. We have all mm. our little stories that we read. I'm like, kids, what, is, what did we talk about in catechism? But mm. I still have to remind myself, like, okay, God's got it. You got it, girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay, guys, even though I have to constantly remind them. So mm. that's what I think about well, every day, all day. It's <laughs> a great perspective from a mother. With all those lo- young, impressionable minds. Yeah. And I had another aspect from, another angle from number three was uh, mine. Just because of the um, wicked people in high places, in this nation, in this world, trying to do their very best, spending all their energy to implement their wicked practices, we know that our God is still in control, and whatever he wills will come to pass. Amen. Okay, let's continue on. Here's the problem, though, that you and I face all day, every day. The culture around us, along with the systems and institutions of that culture, has abandoned the category of holiness. You see, when you deny that this God, the Holy One, exists, then you do not need a sense for you do not sense a need for holiness of any kind. You never hear politicians, educators, social media influencers, cultural critics, or entertainment icons use this category. It has no purpose or meaning to them. The people who write the dramas we stream don't have this category influencing what they write, how they think about right and wrong, or the way they present the moral character of a character. As a culture, we have philosophically walked away from holy. Holy is not in our definition of meaning and purpose. Holy doesn't enter into our concept of success. Holy is not seen as something to shape your marriage and guide your parenting. Holy never is discussed when people are talking about plans for their careers. Holy is viewed as a dusty religious concept with little practical meaning held on to by a shrinking minority. Almost everyone wants justice, mercy, peace, forgiveness, and love, but they can exist in our lives only if the one in control is holy. Boom, there's a big one. You can't get those without a a God who is holy. Let's continue on. Why? Because even though we have abandoned this truth, God has hardwired in all of us a hunger for what holiness alone can produce. But if you look around and listen, you will discover that in the practical scheme of things, holy simply doesn't matter. And for many, it doesn't exist. All right, let me put this, let me make sure we got that. He's not saying people are going to long after holiness. 
he's saying that they're going to long after that's hardwired into that which holiness is able to bring about righteousness fairness you know all of the the things that we we ache for but as a society we'll never get to if we're running after lawlessness the opposite of speaking of it holiness as a, a, a from a purity a moral purity sense you can't get there from here without holiness is what he is saying so it is futile it is insanity to expect and we're seeing that played out in our in our uh, culture right now you want complete freedom and yet you want to obtain it by doing no law and so what do you end up with chaos violence corruption distortion hurt suffering society this this test tube we live in right now is trying to come up with a, another way than holiness and see if they could bring about what only holiness can bring about and it doesn't work let's continue on much of what you read hear watch and interact with as a citizen in this present world will not reinforce you for you the essentiality of this doctrine and the more your culture influences the way you think the less holy will have any practical functional purpose in your life as well it is possible to believe in the holiness of god and yet in your daily life practice holiness holy living this truth might not become a way of thinking that then becomes a shaping influence on everything in your life one it is possible for instance to include the holiness of god in your theological outline while forgetting that it's the reason why god instructs god instruct god's instructions for your marriage are paramount Two, it's possible to say you believe this truth while forgetting that parenting is primarily about representing this holy one in our lives of your children, in the lives of your children. You can mentally assent to this truth while functionally ignoring that holiness is what keeps your sexuality safe and pure. Three, you can embrace this truth intellectually and still not be brokenhearted that most of the people you encounter know nothing about the glory of this Holy One and live as rebels against his will and glory, evangelism. Four, you can sing of God's holiness in a worship service while not connecting it to the way you treat your children in the car on the way home. Five, you can study God's holiness and then succumb to anxiety that forgets that the Lord of Lords, who is in control, is good in every way. So the, the question posed to us now is, which of the five shortcomings of holy less living is most heartbreaking to you at this time in your life? So whether it's as a culture, whether it's a place where you are in the season of life that, that you're dealing with, as you read through those five, which of the five shortcomings of holy less living is most heartbreaking to you at this time in your life and why uh excuse me uh i think for me it's number uh, three, you can embrace this truth intellectually and still not be brokenhearted that most of the people you encounter know nothing about the glory of this Holy One and live as rebels against his will and glory. Uh, it's, as 
week by week we continue to get taught and we study our own scriptures and um, we develop ourselves where God is developing us intellectually, understanding his holiness better as a result of, say, the Sunday school even, um, the natural instinct is to insulate more and to, I, I just, I hate talking to other people who just hate me or think I'm an idiot from the very first words, you know, it just, it, there's friction and it grinds you down. And so instead what you find yourself doing is maybe finding other Christians to talk to, finding those that are less mature, trying to help them with that intellectual understanding of God's holiness and characters and attributes. Um, and, um, that's the coward in me refusing to go fight for, for the lost souls, um, that God commands us to. Um, so that's definitely the one that it seems to, to get me, or I look back on the week and go, you, you coward, you stepped down from a fight when there was a chance to, to share the holiness of God with someone else. Amen. It's in some ways, PGA, I can see how we get there because we are becoming a more violent culture. If you disagree, you will get the violence of the person you're in, engaging with, trying to engage with in some, less, some sense of civility, and they, they emotionally go over the top and they, or they just cancel you. And that's where we're at. And so it's, it's easy for us as a culture to start to want to insulate a Christian culture because you can't get through to these people. They're nuts. They, they make you feel small, whatever it is that they're doing, whatever their defense is. Cindy and I were listening to a uh, Tim Keller um, sermon this week and I was fascinated by he came to this he was explaining in his, his sermon uh, the, the use of the Holy Spirit in transformation and, and then he got a little bit on under the track of evangelism and he said what happens when you experience the person that absolutely is against you and I'm like, that's when my ears perked up like, yeah 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 that's the person I see now okay tell me what do you do Tim and he says well what I have found is helpful, you know, I don't know if you ever listen to Keller. He's always so able to not get excited. I mean, he just kind of pushes on, and, and he's intellectual, and I think sometimes I get emotional, and when I get emotional, the intellect kind of slows down if it, if it doesn't go away completely. And it's just neat to see people that are able to stay in there. They're trying to incite you. Don't go there. Don't fall for it. And he said on his, uh, that what he does is he asks them, he says, okay, my faith is not what this country is doing right now. It's another belief system. Explain what your belief system is and, and how it would make this that we're seeing, the thing that you're angry about, better than what mine is. And he said he just totally turns it around, and then all of a sudden they can't. And he lets him patiently go through it. And now he didn't go any further from, from that, but I can't help but think he's, what he's doing is he's getting them to realize yours doesn't work. And he could ask questions while he's rolling this out. You know, all of a sudden he flips the table, he pulls a Jesus on them, and he starts asking the question. You ever notice how Jesus does that? They'll, they'll make an accusation against Jesus, and he'll, he'll follow up with questions. I mean, Jesus is a masterful apologetic, apologist. Excuse me. So he all of a sudden, you're flipping it, and you're saying, well, what about this injustice? And what about this injustice? And pretty soon, they, they come to a place where they realize their system isn't perfect. Can you, would you be willing to hear what God has to say about this? And it's like, oh, that's so good. I walked away from that so encouraged that this is what I need to do. I need to, you know, don't get in it emotionally, Nick. Let this play out. Engage them intellectually. Um, Gary has a question in the back. 
But to do that, uh, Pastor Nick, it takes a lot of time. You know, and true. And I just don't know if I have that patience to have that time. And that's that's where I fall short. That sure. Sure. I would end up probably arguing with uh, the person more than trying to uh, 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 share the gospel with them and just trying to show them where they're wrong versus showing where Jesus is right. You know what I've, I've found from talking to people who have the the gift giftedness of evangelism they cannot not evangelize they engage and they want to they, they just feel compelled to evangelize wouldn't that be a wonderful gift for us all to have uh, where we just can't not um is that they talk about well that's where i was here they don't stop engaging they get better at engaging they realize all right i said something dumb there I, that led to a dead dead end and then they, the next time they go, I know how to stay out of that one now. I'm going to go here with the, with, the, with the scripture. And they're getting better. The Holy Spirit is teaching them how to work through the, the uh, inconsistencies, the, the heresies, the, uh, the, the error of thinking. So to that, this is my response, because I've gone there, Gary. I mean, as a pastor, it's tempting to go there. Like, what's the use? This is, this is just a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, that's not even true either. This is just a, a, an enemy of God. They don't want anything to do with God. They just want to beat up on God. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you may be the only one that ever teaches them about God. You've got to stay in there, Nick. And so it's, that, that it's, it's both, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm encouraging, exhorting you, brother. We're, we're walking this journey together, um, trying to get better at, at that. Anybody else on this? One of the other five that we deal with here. Which of the five, five shortcomings of holy lessness living is most heartbreaking to you at this time in your life and why we've got some parents in here um, grandparents in here marriage um, you see uh, I, I, I for me I, it's easy I'm surprised someone hasn't jumped into number five maybe five was really I could speak to that as well so I was going to talk about number five so oh there you go perfect, perfect brother um, another brother I can so have. so you know I've I in prayer meeting at least uh, after church I've um, you know, I made the confession that anxiety is one of the sins I struggle with. And so um, and I used to think, you know, hey, we don't need to confess our sins to other people. We just confess them to God and, and we receive forgiveness and, and repent and we're fine. But, you know, there's, I forget, I forget where it is. If it's in Second Peter, uh, maybe you can help me, Nick. There's a verse that talks about confessing our sins to others and how this is, moves toward our spiritual healing, actually. John, uh, excuse me, uh James talks about that. Yeah, well. James talks about it. So, in any case, um, you know, who of us who have been Christians for a long time have not seen the power of God at work in our lives in great ways over the years, right? Um, and this is this isn't, a, this isn't a testation to God's holiness, to God's majesty and greatness, right? Um, um, and His holiness in that He is. He is all good, right? He's perfectly pure, right? So he's shown his goodness to us so many times, but it's, it's easy uh, for people like me to forget that and just get anxious anyway when you face adversity, you know? Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I just want to give great praise to God. Um, back a few weeks ago, God provided a new full-time job for me. Uh, I know some of you have been praying for that, so thankful for that. Um, with Vanguard, um, so Gerald and PJ work for Vanguard. Um, 
I'm very thankful for this opportunity. And uh, now I'm studying for this exam that's coming up, this uh, securities licensing exam that's on July 20. And you get this stuff in the mail, and you, you to op- take a look at the first book, and it's 320 pages. You know, it's eight and a half by 11. Oh, very rich and deep uh, material. Uh, it's very learnable material, don't get me wrong. But to do it in that short amount of time, knowing that, hey, in some way, my job hinges on my <laughs> performance on this exam, right? So you've gone from praising God thank the Lord for this new job and this new opportunity, and now you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Back to okay, we're not quite out of the woods yet, are we, right? But then, but then, you know, isn't all of life like that? I mean, just there's always something new that's like that, right? So we just have to keep coming back to the Lord and just and saying, you know what? I will not fear this thing, mm. and I will not fear man and their rejection of me. But I will fear God alone. I will stand in him, right? And, and trust in his greatness and holiness. Um, by the way, let me just share this because I don't know if I'll get a chance to uh, before the end. Um, taking this into our daily lives, taking God's holiness into our daily lives and living in the ramifications of it. Um, one of the ways we train ourselves to do that is in corporate worship. So, you know, when we come to the Lord every Sunday, in the worship of him. We're going through this pattern, this acts pattern, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Um, so we adore God. We praise God for who he is and his majesty and greatness right up front, right? Like the Psalms do. And then we um, offer confession of sin, right? We recognize our sinfulness, the contrast between us and God. And then we praise God and thank God for his uh, forgiveness through the gospel, and we, we hear the word, and we're transformed uh, as we hear the word, and as we affirm the word in our hearts, right? And then, um, and then we have the Lord's Supper. We, we celebrate um, in a deep way every Sunday that communion with God that's only possible through Christ's sacrifice, right? And then we have the blessing, and then we sing the doxology, right? So we're rehearsing um, this contrast between God's holiness and our sinfulness every Sunday. Uh, I just want to encourage you as we do that, use, like we talked about last week, use your imagination as we come to the Lord and worship to think deeply about these things, to contemplate the greatness of who God is, and to apply these truths to your life. Amen. Thank you. Let me, let me go, let me help take what Sean said about his story with his employer got it. Got answered his, his uh, you know, he's, he's wanting employment. He's seeking employment. God gives it to him. He's like, all right. And then all of a sudden, he gets the packet in the mail, and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed again. Now I'm back to, to tempted to being anxious over. Can I get this done in this amount of time? One of the things I want to share with, with him that is that you already know, but you guys may not uh, know, is that Rob Roy is in the exact same process, the exact same stage. So God not only gave you an opportunity, God gave you a brother in Christ to study with. I mean. Uh, kind of like Exodus, hey, uh, I'll give you your brother here. I'll give you Aaron, Moses. When you start to, to wonder, I can't do this. Um, I'll, I'll, it's just amazing God's grace. But one more step here. I want to take it. So when, when we say, okay, we should be looking at God's holiness, and God's holiness can take away anxiety, what does that look like? What do you mean? Because we default in our definition of holiness to purity. So God is pure, and so I can, I'm, I, I am uh that makes it okay, or, or that makes that, somehow that, that, that makes everything right, and I shouldn't be fearful, I shouldn't be anxious. Uh, and Rob, I'll get to you in just a second. Let me just give one component here. 
God is no, I want you to remember, purity is a component or a portion of, a part of holiness. Holiness, I want you to be thinking, holiness is complete otherness. God the creator is completely outside of his creation and not affected by his creation. And the chaos that he allows to occur right now in his, in his creation, that is sin. Because God is so other than creation, God can, can, you can know that your God is in absolute control over creation in your situation. He is not hindered by creation like we are hindered by creation. So that's the part of, that's the component of holiness. That's one component, I should say, that should make us realize I need to be reminded of his holiness. It can get me, it can transform me out of a mindset of anxiety and into a, a mindset of, you've got this, God. I'm just going to follow in, in, your, in what you are doing. Rob Boy, and let's get the mic to him. I, I don't know how much of a unique perspective this is to part five and anxiety, but for the majority of my life, about five decades, um, I was outwardly characterized. I heard it over and over again as being uh, very calm, very rational, mm. uh, certainly the ability to be excitable and passionate, no doubt about that, but no real outward signs of anxiety. And, you know, I became a Christian. I was saved when I was 35. And I would say during that 15 years or so that the response and the way that I would look at it is because of God's holiness, understanding his holiness, trusting in him, not having anxiety, even in some very, very difficult and challenging situations under severe duress and just trusting in the Lord. But in the past few years, as those of you who um, are a bit closer to me understand that there has actually been an increase in anxiousness. And as I've tried to look at it, I, I, I think what might be possible is that during those 15 years of, and prior to that, of not being anxious, of trusting in the Lord, I think I connected the gifts that God has provided and misaligned my trust in those thinking I was trusting in the Lord. Mm. And so as circumstances change, including um, physical strength and all those things along it, as those start to go away, what you're really trusting in starts to be revealed. Mm. And so going from cool, calm, and collected to being anxious uh, and, and nervous, at least increasing that, like what's happened um, God hasn't changed. Hmm. I have, um, but have I? Maybe I've been the same all along. It's just that the essence of who I am is more being revealed and where my trust is. And so there, there's a unique perspective that I'm trying to understand in myself hmm. where you can think you're trusting in God, but you're trusting in the circumstances and providence provided by God instead of God who's provided those providence and circumstances. Um, I did want to go to some of the scriptures, so I keep coming back to that, reminding myself of that, and trying to isolate through that, um, and not be the Pharisee that gives thanks to God in a way that doesn't really thank God, and reevaluating kind of that period in my life. 
um, about fear. In 1 Peter 3, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Do not be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And it goes on to say that they will sin. They will engage in every type of unrighteousness. And in chapter 4, verse 4 of 1 Peter, it says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them. They're surprised. They, they, they want you to join in. And because you don't, they malign you. See, we talk about evangelism. We're being evangelized. See, when we're holy, we're a reminder that they're not, that they're lost. We are the mirror that's being held up. They don't want to see that mirror. They want to destroy that mirror. And the best way to destroy that is to pull someone who's righteous into unrighteousness. So that, as in Romans 1, they don't have to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's not as hard. When we're living for the Lord and we're a light in darkness, it becomes a lot harder to suppress that truth. And part of suppressing that truth is to go after you and cancel you and to take you out. And there's an anxiety that comes with that. Anyway, I, I'm still sorting through these things. But number five is a place that I wouldn't have characterized myself as being at for many, many years until the recent ones. Hmm. Thank you, brother. Let me close with this. We do a fellowship meal every week. The idea behind the fellowship meal is to fellowship, is to think upon the things of the Lord and engage others. It doesn't mean that all the content will be uh, to that level of focus, but ultimately we're here because we are Christians. When you, think, I, when, I, when you think about the fellowship meal, think about as you go to sit down and you look, where am I going to sit down? Who do I want to engage? It might come from what you heard today, whether that's uh, Sean, whether that's Rob Roy, and you can relate to that, PJ, Glenda, Gary, the people that have you could You might be able to participate in and share. Hey, you know, that's interesting. You're, what you just shared helped me because I went through a season or I am going through a season. Or maybe you have some encouragement because, oh, I've been through that season and I, I found this and this or whatever it is. This is what the church acting as a church, growing in our transformation together as a people of God. Let's take advantage of that. We only got through one this week. <laughs> Isn't God amazing? We'll, we'll start for, and we'll try for two and three, and we'll see what God does. Uh, I think it was perfect with one today. Let me go. Oh. Are we hanging on to this for next No, I'll create another one. I'll, I'll put two and three on there next week. Okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do thank you. Never know when we, uh, on this side of the, of the class, what's going to come out of the class. And yet you are so faithful. You are so faithful to give us hearts that desire to walk as people that are in absolute dependence upon you, that want to be faithful to you. And you, you use this body of Christ, you use this word, this truth to convict us, to show us, to, to reveal to us what's going on in our own hearts, to hear it from our neighbor, to help us understand it. You are a good, gracious God. You do the work of transformation in this class every week and we thank you for it 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.